So, uh, welcome to your life. And to uh, one day sit. So we, Brooklyn Zen Center provides the outer container. But each of you really are responsible for creating the more intimate container. And this means that you, I hope, have thought about your own commitment to yourself for the day. And you will keep that commitment to look at your own mind, looking inward, staying silent, not making contact, and trying to develop continuity of (coughs) mindfulness, continuity of awareness, all day on the cushion. When we chant, during walking meditation, when you eat, when you go to the bathroom, all day long to develop a mind that is presence itself. That mind you don't really have to develop. That's there in each of us all the time. It is what we are. It is our birthright. And mostly what we notice, what we pay attention to when we do a one-day sit or longer, is the conditioned mind, the egoing mind. It's a verb. A mind that covers over our original nature. It's the mind of that is struggling, the mind that is grasping, the mind that is resisting, the mind that is unable to settle. So as Dogen said, a person who is deluded is deluded about their own awakening, their own enlightenment, their own true nature. A person who is awake is awake about delusion. But we don't relate to that egoing that conditioned ancient twisted karma as an enemy or as something to get rid of. No, it is our path to awakening. It is our path to freedom. (laughs) So in the beginning, it's not so clear that that's the case. We think sometimes when we sit down, everything's going to be blissful, calm. Problems will be over. That's what they advertise nowadays. 
All you have to do is meditate and all of your problems will be solved. And it's not without some truth. Matter of fact, I actually think ultimately it is true. (laughs) But there's a very long journey that we need to walk on before that is really realized as what we are. So I think in the beginning of a one-day sit, in the beginning of every long sit, it's really good to take an assessment, make an assessment. Why am I really here? I signed up, I paid my money, I brought my body, but am I really committed? Do I really, with my full heart behind me, Am I really committed to basically, in the beginning, for those of you who are new, to train the mind in what the Tibetans call the preliminaries? And we all, it's, all, it's the same in all the lineages. It's basically what they call shamatha. In the beginning, we have to train the mind. It has to be trained. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? We, um, an untrained mind is a mind that we call a monkey mind. It's just jumping all over the place. This idea, that idea, this feeling, that feeling, this opinion, that opinion. <clears throat> Last night, there was this great, this is a really, It's a good time to use the word great, I think. There was this great storm. It's a great storm. I grew up in California, so we're not used to weather, you know. (laughs) (laughs) This was weather. This was just really weather. I was I was typing an email while I while this was happening, and I was typing along, and then there would this be this crack of thunder, and I'd say, "Oh, thunder!" You know. Then lightning, oh, wow, this is so, my whole, <laughs> the whole email was about what was happening outside. What was happening inside, really? very much in the beginning like that storm. So our our true nature, our true mind is like the sky. We've said this many times. It's like the sky, it's vast. And and it has this knowing quality. But it's vast. 
And when there's a storm, there are clouds, and there was wind, and there was rain, heavy rain, and lightning, and thunder, and, you know. And it's like this for our mind. It has big emotions, and passion, and energy pass through, and these thoughts pass through, and all of this activity happens within this vast original mind. And exactly like the sky, none of what is passing through your own mind is really what we are. It's just stuff arising and passing away. Rising and passing away. Rising and passing away. But the nature of our mind grabs onto those things. These are just objects, right? Thought, object, sensation, object, energetic object. And the mind, quite naturally, is attracted to those objects. It's normal. And so what we do is we get interested in the object. I really do think this. That person really is that way. I really am angry. And this is why. In Zen, we say that's just being involved with the objects of mind. And when we're involved with objects of mind, we create our world. Our world is created by grasping those objects. And Dogen would advise, instead of paying attention to the object of mind, to turn the light around and look at mind itself. Is the mind full of resistance? Don't want to see that. Don't want to feel that. Don't want to know that. Or is it grasping? I do believe this. I do, I do, I do. (laughs) That's from the Wizard of Oz. Where is that from? Wizard of Oz, I do, I do. It's the lion, right? The lion. I do, I do, I do, I do. Do you know the, I'm sorry, I'm not, tangent, tangent. (laughs) Um, You know in the Wizard of Oz where the monkeys are carrying their things and they, um, it goes, let's see, yo, Oreo, Rio, Oreo, Rio. Do you know that part? 
did you did you do you hear that they're saying Oreo cookie? <laughs> Oreo, Oreo. have to have some humor about what we're doing. I mean, after all, do you, have you really told your friends that on the Memorial Weekend, instead of going away to wherever, that you're just coming and sitting next to a wall? <laughs> <laughs> but good for you, really. Good for you, because you're taking, in uh, what I think, you're taking a real break, finally. This is a gift, you know, a day of a gift for yourself. Even though it's a little hard, maybe physically a little bit, maybe mentally you get caught by some of these passing storms. So the idea in shamatha is to be able to aim the mind where you want it and keep it there. How hard can that be? It is hard. It took me years. It was like I had this big bowl behind me, my mind. You know, actually, in, in Zen literature, it's the image of this big, gigantic bowl that has a ring in the nose and has a rope on it. And I was just going, you know, come here. So there's a moment when the mind wakes up, when you know you've been gone. That's the key right there. Do you have a commitment in that moment to return to your chosen object of attention? That's all you need to do in the beginning. Don't worry about this kind of mind or that kind of mind. Just develop a mind that's able to aim at whatever object you choose, usually the breath, because it's convenient. And when you wake up from being away, at that moment, that is the moment of training. Just make a commitment to yourself that just for the next five hours, I mean, half the day is already gone. (laughs) Each time I sit down, on the zafir. Every time I notice that my mind has been gone, but I'm now awake, every single time you commit to returning to the object of your attention. <clears throat> because without a stable mind, there is no, no possibility of freedom. Without a mind that can actually watch what's going on up here, we're being run by our past conditioning. So you need a mind that is able to have, first of all, stay in the present moment and be open, being willing to be open to what actually is there. 
And then notice, um, am I grasping? Am I pushing it away? Have I bought into it? Am I suppressing it? Am I creating more drama around it or not? Is the mind grasping? <coughs> or is the mind averting and resisting? That's what you pay attention to. Not the object. Forget the object. You already pay lots of attention to the object. So just today, look at the mind. <coughs> And then we could get curious. What is this grasping and averting? Where is it coming from? What's it based on? What's driving the whole movement? As the Buddha would say, what's the lintel? Lintel? Lintel is a bean. Lintel is the wooden thing. Lintel. What is the lintel on which the structure of this egoing system, what is it, what is it based on? little by little as we allow ourselves to be curious about what's going on, little by little those layers dissolve, those layers that are keeping us away from our original knowing, not keeping us away from it, it's there all the time, knowing, embodying our original mind and heart. Because once we begin to come in contact with the truth of who we are, what is there is an open heart. A heart that not only cares about our own freedom from unnecessary suffering, but then also wants to relieve that suffering from everybody. No distance at all. So, in our tradition, we care somewhat about posture because we don't offer very much for you to kind of hold on to. So posture is one of those things. Silence is silence, quiet. And another thing is posture. So when you sit, if you can, it takes a long time to find your own sitting body. If you can, find some kind of stable foundation. It's like a triangle, your butt and thighs and knees. And if you can't get them down, then put pillows underneath. Raise yourself up a little bit. Sit in a chair. Use a bench. Sit, say, you know, sideways on the cushion with your, with your feet back. 
do whatever you need to do to find a stable base so that the bones are holding you up, not the muscles. Relax the muscles and make sure your head is on top of the balance, on top of your spinal cord. And then if the base is really stable and down and grounded and on the earth like a mountain, when that's really established and the rest of you rises up and then there's room to breathe. Ah, what a blessing. Nice breath. When you walk, notice your posture. Where's your head, anyway? When you eat, taste the food. Try to establish this continuity of awareness in which you can see all of the lightning and the flashes, or for some people, the dullness. Some people tend toward dull. Meditation is not being present and being dull. The mind is sharp, bright, present. So I brought something to read that I like. And it's not really for um, a one-day sit. It's really for a longer sit, but I like it, so I want to talk about it. How am I doing? Oh. <clears throat> so, here's what I wanted to read. This is a book called Why Meditate, if you're interested. Some good stuff in here. So the reason why um, I usually don't read this until later in a meditation retreat is because in the beginning, it takes around three or four days for the mind to finally give up. So in a way, a one-day sit is a little bit unfair because, especially for new people, you don't have yet the strength to really convince your mind that you really do want to be present. So (laughs) you're going to (laughs) lose. But it doesn't matter. Try anyway, because it is with the repetition of that effort that the mind finally is convinced that you really do want to be present. And then when that is established, when shamatha, calm abiding, is really established, the mind will snap back of itself 
it will be trained. And it will, it will come back itself to the present. So it takes a while to do that. And in the beginning, sometimes you think that it's getting worse because your mind is just all over the place. But that's not really true. What's happening is just that you're finally stopping and paying attention. And what you notice is what really is going on all the time that you're just not noticing. So don't worry about it. Just with patience and kindness and gentleness, but firm, whenever you notice that you've been gone, just bring it back. And make a commitment, because it's for yourself. It's for your own happiness, really. So happiness, there are a lot of books on happiness. Happiness is just like, first of all, to, if you notice, when people are really happy, they're like in the zone in sports, you know, or you're skiing, or you're climbing a rock wall, or you're really maybe involved with something on the computer. But basically what's happening is this itty-bitty shitty committee is quiet. Right? Your mind is not telling you all the time, you know, do this or don't do this, and when this is gone, we're happy. When we're present and not expecting anything of the present moment, but what actually is happening, we're happy. When we're grasping and resisting, it's a recipe for unhappiness, because it's never going to be enough. It never is going to be enough. What if it were never enough? But it was okay. Trungpa used to say that, you know, things are really as bad as they are. (laughs) But the key is, if there's no resistance to that, it's actually okay. There's an ease and a peace with life. It's fighting with life all the time that makes us unhappy. We fight with ourselves. We're not enough. We're too much. We want people to think of us a certain kind of way. We struggle. Can't make a decision. Can't decide who we are, who we should be. All of this extra egoing in the mind is what, first of all, it's exhausting and is what causes unhappiness unhappiness. So, I usually wait until the mind has given up before I read this, because this is all about an open heart that comes from a mind that is not fighting with itself, and can see the world as it is without needing to fix it first. It's not to say that there aren't things that need to be addressed. There are. But first, before we do that, we need to acknowledge and be open to things the way they have come to be. Otherwise, we have no chance. So this is from Shantideva. 
a, some people call him a saint. He was uh, in Nalanda University many hundreds of years ago in India. And the Dalai Lama, uh, every morning, reviews this. And the last paragraph, he says every morning, this is his vow, vow for the Dalai Lama. May I be a guard for those who are protectorless, a guide for those who journey on the road. For those who wish to cross the water, may I be a boat, a raft, a bridge. May I be an isle for those who yearn for land, a lamp for those who long for light, for all who need a resting place, a bed. May I be the tree of miracles, and for every being, an abundant cow. Just like the earth and space itself, as far as are the limits of the sky, for boundless multitudes of being, may I always be the ground of life, the source of varied sustenance. Thus, for everything that lives, as far as are the limits of the sky, may I be constantly their source of livelihood, until they pass beyond all sorrow. And now, as long as space endures, as long as there are beings to be found, may I continue likewise to remain, to drive away the sorrows of the world. vow, it's a vow, comes from a mind that is quiet, a heart that is open and connected with ourselves first. It has to be ourself first. We have to care first about ourself, open and be intimate with ourself exactly the way we are not fixed, exactly how we've come to be. And then slowly, as we develop a mind that is able to pay attention without grasping or aversion, slowly these hindrances dissolve, little bit by little bit, and we begin to feel a sense of gratitude for life and a caring and a love for ourself, simply based on willingness to be our suffering, really. And little by little, that twisted and tangled mind releases us from ourself. And we find ourselves in a, in our own birthright. So please uh, remind yourself why you came and renew your commitment to yourself and your own path. And if you need to, 
train the mind to stay present. And if your mind is already present, embody the spaciousness, the sky mind, come from that place of openness, and just appreciate your life. It's so very short. So let's continue. Please keep the silence and the container and make your best effort. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.